Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen. Welcome back to another episode of the Word of a King. I am your host, Chad Reese, and with me is my co-host, Brother Brian Bean. Looking forward to getting into this discussion. We're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. And we kind of framed or started the conversation in regards to the love of God, but we were talking about how man and even Christians form and fashion a God after their own image, after their own likeness. And so we discussed last week about the love of God and what the Bible says in regards to that. But we kind of want to continue that discussion, that thought. So I want to begin this podcast by asking you a few questions. First, would God ever lie to somebody? Would God ever send a lying spirit to anyone to deceive them? Would God ever rejoice hiding truth from anyone? And we want to look at these questions and more. Maybe, for instance, what is the purpose of a parable? And so that is what we're going to do today, Brother Brian. I think this is going to be another very interesting podcast, a podcast that may be a little bit different than the norm. We're not just talking about the basic Bible doctrines of Christianity, and there's nothing wrong with those. But we really want to challenge you. We want you to consider what the Word of God says. But before we do that, I want to tell you a joke. You ready for this joke? Now, now, in full disclosure, <laughs> I told Brother Brian this joke already, but I'm, I'm going to say it again for you. Um, and uh, uh, Brother Brian actually got this joke this time. <laughs> and it sort of been good to get his reaction live. But, yeah. but nevertheless, I'll tell the joke anyways. And, and again, Brother Brian, the joke is this. How do you make golden <laughs> soup? How do you make golden soup? Get Midas... Midas touch or get a golden goose or something. I don't know. Well. Nope. You add 14 <laughs> carrots to it. <laughs> I told I told my daughter Emma that and she started laughing. She liked it. She got it? Yeah, she got it right away. It's pretty good. She said 14 carat gold. Give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was driving though. Yeah. So uh anyways, that that that's our joke for the day. And uh pretty good one. We we uh thank you for tuning in. We thank you for watching. Uh but uh we're gonna we're gonna get right into this podcast, and we're going to answer those questions, some serious questions, and we're going to look at the Bible and the Word of God. And uh, so let, let's start off, again, simply by asking the question, would God deceive anyone? Would God no. send a lying spirit? No. <laughs> That's what they're probably thinking. No. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of Christians would say no. That just not in the nature of God. God would never do that. No. But uh, we know, according to the Word of God, that's not true. So, uh, Brother Brian, I know this might be a little bit out of order. I'll actually let you take this and 
and uh, why don't you expound on what the Word of God says, and we can kind of frame it. Obviously, we're in First uh, Kings chapter 22, and dealing with Ahab there, and obviously the uh, king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, comes down, and Ahab, uh, you know, ask him to basically to to go to war with them. Wants to go to Ramoth Gilead and against the king of Syria. And of course, you pick up in the story, and there there's a prophet involved in the story. And of course, this prophet always preaches the truth. Why don't you kind of pick up that from there the story and kind of expound on what God does in this story and what we can learn about the characteristic of God. Well, Jehoshaphat, who's a good king of Judah, and then there's Ahab, who's a wicked, ungodly, idolatrous king of the north with Jezebel and all that kind of thing. And he calls 400 false prophets, 400 preachers, and they say, we're going to win this war? Yeah, you're going to win. God's going to give you the victory. And Jehoshaphat has got some sense. He'd be a type of a saved man, kind of backslidden, fellowshipping with the wicked worldly crowd. He's like, well, is there a prophet of the Lord here? And Ahab says, there's one guy, but I hate him. Yeah, He's one of those straight-preaching Bible believers because he never prophesies anything good concerning me. So they call this fellow out. One against 400, by the way. The right preacher, the godly man that God commits two chapters. It's also mentioned in Chronicles. He's against 400 who are wrong, just like Elijah with his 450. Actually, there's 850 in the Elijah in 1 Kings 18. But anyway, the Bible believer, the man on the right, is always Amen. in the very, very, very minority. So don't don't let that distract you. Straight as a gate, narrows the way for you to be. All that kind of thing. Amen. So they call um, Micaiah, and he tells them what's going to happen. And then he gives you a little glimpse of what goes on in heaven, what goes on in the throne room yeah. of God. And uh, yeah, I'll read the references. Okay. So obviously, after you know, Micah at first kind of um, patronizes and doesn't give the answer that he, you know, and he says, you know, he called him forth and tells him, tell him the truth, and he gives him the truth. Of course, uh, obviously, they didn't want to hear the preaching of the truth, and so Ahab again just wicked. He rejects the preaching of the truth, and so this again sets up the scene that we pick up uh, in verse nineteen of First Kings chapter twenty-two. Um, actually, we'll go to verse 20. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one, and one said on this manner, and another said on that manner. And there came forth a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth. And I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. And so there you have it. You have this lying spirit that the Lord said, Go forth and do so. And God uses this lying spirit to deceive Ahab. So again, we started the podcast asking this question. Would God use a lying spirit? Would God purposely deceive a man? And obviously the answer is emphatically yes. And again, so this may be contrary to what some people think about God and what even some Christians think about God. But again, that problem is I believe that man and even Christians have formed and fashioned a God after their own image, after their own likeness on how they think God ought to be. So we see here that God uses this lying spirit 
to deceive Ahab. So maybe what are, what are some other kind of things, characteristics, however you want to frame it, of things that might shock some of the listeners or viewers about God? Yeah, a couple of things popped in my head, just like Acts 17, Paul, he's in Athens, and they're all a bunch of idolaters. They don't know the Lord, nobody's saved, and he sees the city wholly given to idolatry, and he says, Ye men of Athens, I perceive in all things ye are too superstitious, for I beheld an image and an altar to the unknown God. Those are lost people. They don't know God. Right. But it's it's just pathetic that most Christians, even Bible-believing Christians, don't know God. And we're going to get into some more of these truths that when you show Christians, people that are saved, that some of them love the Lord and are serving the God, they just they don't buy it. They've never yeah. heard this. It's because Christians and pulpits are so ignorant of the Word of God. Sure. And uh, 1 Samuel 3, it says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord revealed to him. This stuff is important because it's what the Bible says. Amen. You know God by what the Bible says, and we're talking about what the Bible says. And the fact that it's so crazy and out there, and many of, not probably not many of you, but some of you are going to resist it. Some of you may not even believe it after we're done, and we're giving you clear-cut black and white verses. It just shows you the unknown God, and the God we're showing you is a God according to the Bible. Amen. And if it rubs you the wrong way, or rubs the turn the cat around, or whatever yeah. the saying is, if it's in the book, believe it. We don't necessarily like this stuff in our Amen. flesh or our natural man, but we try to be humble, believe the word of God. So, but yeah, there's all kind of attributes to God. What's interesting in First Kings 22, it's like God is saying, "I want to damn this guy. I want to. I want a. I want to kill Ahab in sure, war." Sure. How am I going to do it? And then he gets yeah. some contenders. Like, oh, I'll do this. God's like, okay. And obviously God knows everything, sure. and it's just how God operates. And I'll do this, and I'll do that. And this, and then this guy says, I'll be a lion spirit. This spirit says, I'll be a lion spirit. God's like, all right, go ahead and do it. Right. So God's going to damn the guy, and it's showing you. It, it's just it's very interesting. Yeah. But it's a holy God. It's a fearful God. It's not a God to be messed with, obviously. But and I, and I think you raise good points. Is Obviously, God does know everything. But what God does, and the purpose of the written word is, to reveal yeah. the nature of God for us to understand God more. I mean, these are God's words. You want you want to have the mind of God, the mind of Christ. Well, this is it. It's the Word of God. So this reveals the character of God. And and again, you if you know the life of Ahab, he's a wicked, godless king. So again, we don't want to misframe God. We don't want to misrepresent God. God's not just sitting up there in heaven saying, you know, who can I deceive today? Who am I going to send a lion spirit today? Oh, that guy who's trying to follow me, he's trying right. to seek the right. Yeah. That's, that's not what we're saying. No. But we are also saying, because God is holy, because God is just, if he chooses to use a lion spirit to deceive a wicked king, he's God and he has the right to do so. And I think... This understanding that about God will bring a holy reverence to the yeah. Christian. And I'm not saying it's going to be on the same level. But, brother, I know we've talked about this. We see this in lives of lost people. We see this lives of Christians where they reject the word of God. And God deceives them by his written word. And, and I know we'll probably talk about that a little bit in a moment. Uh, but, but this book will try your heart. And uh, you want to find an error in it? You'll find an error in it. Uh, you, God will supernaturally use his word mm. based off of your walk and how you receive light or reject light, just like you did here. So there's a principle I think we can learn yes. about the characteristic of God that's important. They say what a man does with this book is what God will do with that man. Yeah. 
Dr. Ruckman says a man's attitude going into this book determines what he gets out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Ruckman, since he was seven years old, read a book a day. Mm. He's, read, he's read over 10,000 books. And he said, it's the only book I've ever read like that. Yeah. Where what you get out, you read a book on mathematics, a book, you have different opinions. Doesn't on matter this your or that. heart. <laughs> no, eight plus eight is 16. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> no matter what your heart is, right. but the book is not like that. Right. You have a Jehovah's Witness reader, a Catholic sure. reader, an atheist reader. Thomas Paine's go through here and God shows them all these errors. Right. Why? Because Thomas Paine was, was a Christ rejector and Bible rejector who already decided the Bible was full of errors. Right. So he opens it up and God will show him those errors. Absolutely. That's what and, we're talking about. And, and, and again, so this is, you say, you know, why do you guys point this out? Well, what you pointed out so you can learn about the God of the Bible, not the God of Hollywood. Yeah. You can learn about the God of the Bible, not the God of 2021 of mm. America. And again, so we can start understanding you reject truth like Ahab. You live a wicked life like Ahab. It is not past God to deceive you by a lying spirit. And as we already said, might as well talk about it because we're already talking about it. I believe that, and I know you do too, Brother Brian, that's why the Word of God is written in the manner it is. Like you give examples about Thomas Paine, or you give examples about people who uh, deny the deity of Christ, or people who deny hell, or that. They will go to the Bible. Of course, they'll rest the Scriptures to their own destruction, but they get these mistruths from the Word of God. And I believe that's because God penned it in such a manner. If your heart and how you'll receive the truth and what you'll do with the truth determines if God will give you more light on the matter. And uh, so those are just amazing principles you can apply to our Christian life. Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I've never, I don't know, I'd said these, these thoughts and ideas recently that we all, we're, if you're King James Bible believer, there's no missing books. There's no book of Enoch. There's no book of, um, the book of Enoch that should be in here, or all these Gospel of Thomas. Every single word that should be in here is in here. Right. And there's nothing in here that should not be in there. Amen. So what's more interesting to did the cock crow twice or did the cock crow once? Which there's an answer. There are no errors. There's an answer right. to all these. Did whatever was this king 22 when he as I was 22 and then it says he was 42? There is an answer to that. There's right. an answer to all the supposed contradictions. There's zero mistakes, zero Amen. errors in the King James Bible. But here's the more interesting question than this this error, this supposed error. Why? Did God purposely write the Bible? Yeah. He wrote the Bible the way he wrote it. There's right. nothing missing. Why did God do that? Yeah. It doesn't make sense sure. unless he purposely did it. They have a bunch of mind traps in there. That's it. A bunch of landmines to where, again, if you, Isaiah 66, 2, one of the most important verses in the Bible, to this man will I look, yeah. he that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. That's it. Yeah, the book's full of contradictions. You'll find them, kid. Absolutely. God, that's how God works. Right. You need to tremble at that word. That's his holy word. That's a manifestation of God. That's a knowledge of God. That's the mind of God in earth. God's Amen. not here. Jesus Christ left 2,000 years ago. That's what we have about God. That's what we know about God. And if you're going to approach it with pride and arrogancy yep. and you think there's a bunch of mistakes, you're done. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head again. And, and again, that is absolutely... 100% correct. I believe without a shadow of doubt, that's why you have those supposed contradictions. That's why is it 22,000 fell versus 23,000 or is it 32 in one day? You know, right. that, that suppose that yeah. Paul says versus in the wilderness. Right. So what's the answer? Obviously, there is an answer. I kind of already gave it away. But the point is, why did God do that? He did that to try your heart. And again, you come at this book like Ahab did, yeah. wicked, wicked 
reject the preaching, won't take heed to what God wants you to say, then listen, he'll send you a lying spirit. He'll let you be deceived. And so you open this book up. You don't want to believe in hell. He'll, he'll give you verses to try to do away with it. Right. You want to reject the deity of Christ? You'll find some verses, try to rest the scripture. And he wrote it in that manner, not only to help us, but I believe to hurt you if you reject the truth. And uh, that's a hard thing to understand, but that's what we see here in this principle. Right. It's so scary. And I have a family member who's all, well, it's my wife's family. My wife's family's all say they all grew up in Baptist churches and King James and all that. But then there's, there's someone in her family who's younger and she's, kind of getting away from that. She's hanging around the wrong crowd, fundamental podcast people. She listens to that. And now she's questioning, well, where's the, where's the Bible say? Show me a verse. And I got a, my wife's cousins like that. Show me a verse. Where's it say in the Bible, the King James? You, you better watch it. Yeah. You want to put parameters on God and say, God, unless you show me this, I'm just going to believe whatever I want. Sure. You're, you're done. You're Absolutely. done. Show me a verse. Show me where the right... You know, show me where it says pre-trib rapture. Okay, then go ahead and believe in the post-trib. God will let you do it. Absolutely. Show me where Jesus says he's God. Well, if that's your approach, God, I'll believe this if you show me. And if you're not, I'm going to believe what I want. Yeah. You're done, man. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I, and there's I, answers to all those, by the way, absolutely. but we're not getting into that. And I think you've raised this point, I don't know, on the podcast. I know we get to have a lot of fellowships. That's a blessing. But right. it's kind of the idea of, like you said, the Bible is not written in the manner thou shall and thou shall not. Although... They're in there. There's no doubt. The Bible's written on the aspect of principles. And what did God say from Genesis to Revelation on the matter? So when you get into the new version and we talk about, is the devil interested in it? <laughs> Just open the Bible. Find out, is the devil interested <laughs> wow. in changing God's word? Right? That answers the question. Yes. <laughs> and, and clearly, you don't simple. have to get through the first three chapters. And you'll see. The devil says, yea, sin on earth. hath God said. <laughs> so the point is, it doesn't have to say, King James only, where's the verse? The principle is, the devil from the beginning was interested in changing and questioning the word of God. So you follow that through from Genesis to Revelation. And that's just one example. So this book is written in a manner that if you come at it with a wicked and heart that won't tremble at his word, and you want to find a contradiction, you'll find one. You want to find something, you want to rest the scripture to whatever pet sin you have, you'll justify it with the word of God. Well, that's how this book is mm. written. What are some What are some other things that uh, we want to bring out in this podcast in regards to maybe the unknown God to even Christians when it comes to what the Bible says about God and what God says about himself? I'd, I'd say a few more verses I can yeah. read on just the first point as far as God's deception of people absolutely uh proverbs 13 13 which kind of goes along with what we were saying whoso dis 13 13 should mm. be really positive whoso yeah. despiseth the word shall be destroyed mm. ezekiel 14 9 let me read this to you and if the prophet be deceived when he has spoken a thing mm. i the lord yeah. have deceived that prophet that's good and then ezekiel 14 4 therefore speak unto them and say unto them thus saith the lord god every man of the house of israel that setteth up his idols mm. in his heart mr calvinist there you go first the man pharaoh yeah. god hardened pharaoh's heart right. well, first pharaoh hardened his heart that's right like he's 
Like you said, God's not just looking around. Who can I damn today? And who can I deceive today? That's not how it works. You reject the word of God first. You reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a prideful heart and a self-righteous heart and a know-it-all heart and reject the word of God. That's, this is when God comes in and does this. So every man of the house of Israel that setteth up idols in his heart, what will God do if you do that? And put up the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet. I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. This is the word of God. Amen. I'm quoting the word of God. Second Thessalonians 2. Yeah. God shall send them strong delusion. God will do it. Yeah. You're not only going to deceive yourself. Yeah. You not only have the devil deceiving you, God himself in the tribulation will deceive them. Yeah. And they can't buy and they can't sell and they're starving and there's plagues and there's billions of deaths. And God's not much of them. a chance. God's like, go take the mark. That they should believe a lie. Yeah. Uh, we are at that. Job 12, 16. The deceived and the deceiver are his. Mm. Proverbs 25, 2, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. Yeah. So that's kind of what I have on God's deception. I think that's good, brother, and I really like that verse. I think that verse in Ezekiel there that you just read about how God answers them according to the idols in their heart, and yeah. that, that's kind of what we're summarizing. You right. have an idol in your heart, God's going to answer you according to the idol. You say, where? In the Word of God. Hmm. You, 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 you have this idol, you have this preconceived idea, whatever it is, you put it between you before God, it's between you and God, and you approach that, you want to find an answer to that sin. I, I want to justify this. You got that eye on your heart? You'll find the right passage. God will allow you to. You, you want to get rid of this doctrine because you don't like it? Yeah. You got this idol in your heart? You'll find the passage. Right. God will allow you to. Yes. From his word. Mm. And that is a scary thought. Yes. A thought that I don't think a lot of Christians even consider. So I think that is a mm. good first point about how God deceives. Um, let, let's transition into the fact this is another one that's going to shock some folks, that God laughs at people. And we'll even go a little bit further, uh, how he has them in derision, mm. and the fact that God laughs. And uh, so let's, uh, let's look at Psalms chapter 37. I'll read Psalms chapter 37, and uh, I'll read this verse, and then you can take over from here and add whatever you want on God's laugh and getting them, you know, having them in derision. And we'll talk about how all that applies, by the way. Again, Psalms chapter 37. Guess what verse it is? 13. 13. Yeah, again. <laughs> Brother Kevin Mann would appreciate that. We appreciate Brother Kevin Mann. But Psalms 37, verse 13. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Again, this is the Lord who's going to laugh at him. Um, the context there is not in a good sense. No. The Lord's going to laugh. And uh, so, Brother Brian, what you kind of add to this thought about the Lord laughing, uh, the Lord having folks in derision and basically mocking them. Hmm. What else you got on that? Some other. Well, I just want to mention, we forgot because we opened with the question. Sure. That it went with the first point as far as why did Jesus Christ. Tell parables. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. And I've asked people this, and I talking about the way you, you get to think in a certain way and you don't even realize it's not biblical. I thought this, and I heard Dr. Ruckman pointed out. I thought a parable, I heard it's described as a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. I'll give you a parable. You know, there was a bird and it flew, and then there was a nest and the nest ripping, and it helps you understand. It's like an illustration. Oh, quite the contrary. <laughs> Why did Jesus Christ tell parables? Jesus Christ, the disciples of Matthew 13, said, Jesus Christ, 
Why are you? He touched a certain sower, went forth to sow, and seed fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up, and nobody knew what he was talking about. The sure. disciples said, Why are you talking to them in parables? So, so they don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I can hide it from them just, just in case so they don't hear it, understand it, and I save them and heal them and convert them. Yeah. And that's quoting Isaiah 6. John 12 says they could not believe mm-hmm. because Isaiah said when he saw his glory, God, Jesus Christ said, I t- I'm going to speak to them in parables so they purposely do not know what I'm saying. Yeah, amen. <laughs> it just goes against, that's a great example, I think, of just right. how what, what we're people talking don't about. have a biblical mindset. And again, to give that a little bit more thought and more uh, just to consider, I don't know exactly what chapter, like in Matthew is around, do you know what chapter when he starts speaking in parables there? But, but 13, yeah, so 13, seven that, kingdom heaven. yeah. And what you'll see there is right before that, mm-hmm. there's a rejection, there's a rejection of the, the truth, the reject- blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, exactly, the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. So, again, that goes back to what I was trying to draw out with Ahab. It wasn't like he just, like, oh, I'm gonna send Ahab a lying spirit. No, it's after Ahab's wickedness, his rebellion, his won't take heed to the preaching. The same thing is true in parables. He, he starts off and starts preaching and teaching, and of course, they reject it. They reject it. The religious leaders, the religious Jews, they reject it. He said, fine, you don't want the truth? I'm going to speak to you and speak in parables. And obviously, the parables were so the disciples could understand, but all those religious people wouldn't, and they wouldn't be converted, and they wouldn't be healed. And obviously, there's rich truths for us as believers, if we believe the Word of God, to learn from the parables but your point is well taken. He did it specifically so those religious folks would not understand him. Amen. That's the God of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, is that light supposed to be red on the right? Under uh-huh. the video? Under the video on the right? Yeah. It's got a red live because the other one's green. Yeah, that's preview and that's live. Sorry. It's okay. okay. I'll have to cut that out. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fine. All right. Proverbs 124. This gives you the whole, goes along with what you were saying, why God does this, about God's laughter. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. There you go. So God initiated the contact. God wanted to show mercy. God wanted to show grace. God wanted to reach out to fallen man. Right. But ye have said at naught all my counsel Mm. and would none of my reproof. There you go. They rejected the preaching. They rejected the Bible. They rejected the preacher. What happens? I also, Proverbs 126, will laugh at your calamity. Yeah. I will mock Ooh. when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Why? Why would a loving God right. do that? For they, that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would, not of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Yeah. And then Psalm 2 kind of gives you the yeah. context or the, sure. the occurrence of that. Want me to read that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Psalm 2, 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. That's it. They're against the Lord and against his anointed, Jesus Christ, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That's how the world views God and Jesus Christ as cords. They're in bondage. Yeah, bondage. What will God do? Well, the world's all against him. They all gather at Armageddon. There's like 200 million of them at Armageddon. That's the context we'll see in the second second advent. God's probably worried, and we're coming back with him. We're the Lord's army, and we're going to, oh, no, what are we going to do? Verse 4, 
He that sitteth in the heaven shall laugh. Yeah. It's probably just maybe a little, huh, a little chuckle. A little chuckle. Is that what it is? Let's see. No. The Lord shall have them in derision. Mm. Now, derision is a divisive, divisive, derision, a Ah, I can't think of what the word is. Uh, Deriding, I think. Yeah. Laughter. It's we saw in Proverbs one. It's a mocking. Yeah. It's. I heard Doctor Ruckman say this. It's not just ha ha ha. It's God saying ha 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 ha. Oh, you guys think you're gonna take me down? Ha 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 ha. And he comes back on a white horse yeah. and stomps them by the space of two. 100 miles, there's blood to the horse's bridle, right. and God is laughing at them in derision and mocking them. Oh, how that is so contrary to the spirit right. of 2021 and cyberbullying and making fun, and our God yeah. would never laugh at somebody. Well, the God of the book was, and that's the unknown God, folks. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And again, just he's going to laugh, he's going to mock, he's going to have them in derision. Now, again, perfectly framed. He's not just sitting up there today, just constantly right. laughing. He's long-suffering. He's merciful. But there's that old saying, he that last laugh, he that <laughs>, laughs last, laughs last. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to have the last laugh. And again, it, and again, it is not this just little chuckle. He's going to have them in derision. And there's multiple verses that say that. But for the average Christian, mm. that's a lot for them to swallow. Yeah. That's a lot for them to Tough comprehend. Stuff. But again, brethren, the purpose of the Word of the King podcast is to take common and controversial issues Amen. and put them to rest. We really desire for you to know the God of the Bible. And this is going to happen after all these years, all these decades of man rejecting the God of the Bible. Right. By man saying, we don't need you, we, we reject you. They laugh and mock at his preachers. They laugh and mock at his word. Yeah. But when he comes back, he's going to laugh at them. He's going to mock them, and he's going to have them in derision. And that's, uh, I like that impersonation, that laugh there. Uh, but, but when the Lord Jesus Christ he's, laughs. He's right to do it. He's right to do it. And I think we're going to say, amen, as we follow behind him. And what, what a thought, though. What a thought that mm. God of the Bible would laugh and would mock and have them in derision. Any other thoughts in regards to God's laughter? Just kind of the whole character of God. Yeah. You, hopefully, you're at, this is my attitude, and it, it should be your attitude. If you Try to understand as much about God as you can and try to f figure things out. Sure. But anything you don't understand, you just believe it. Amen. You just say, well, God knows what he's talking about. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? God is right to do this. Yes. I don't fully understand it. I don't say, oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And hell, burning someone in hell forever makes perfect sense. I don't fully understand that, but he's God. I'm not. He wrote the Amen. book. It's perfect. I'm not. God is holy. I'm not. I have Jesus Christ inside of me. Jesus Christ has forgiven me, but I'm still not holy. I'm still in this flesh. I still can only understand so much. So I give God and the Bible the benefit of the doubt and Amen. just say it's true. But that's how you have to approach the Word of God. Sure. But yeah, just trying to understand it, God is right to do it. God is holy. And this is the world for 6,000 years. They rejected his son. Yeah. He came down as a man to earth, and they killed his son. Right. right. They killed his son. And I heard Dr. Ruckman say, when you think about just in one night, Take New York City or Hong sure. Kong or Bangkok, Thailand. What God sees in one night, murder yeah. and and pedophilia and force this and and rape yeah. and people torturing kids and 
everything a holy that would make us sick. Right. Imagine right. what a perfect holy God, and He sees us for six thousand years, billions and billions of people for six thousand years. God is right to do it. Sure. But also, we'll have a body like Jesus Christ. We'll have a Amen. perfect body. We'll come back and. Hopefully you're familiar, Joel 2, the yep. Lord's army, and we're going to be part of some, some of the stuff going on, some of the bloodshed. Maybe not, actually, I don't think we are part of the bloodshed in Revelation 19. Here's Psalm 57, 4. My soul is among lions. Oh, no, wrong verse. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. That's okay. Well, you're finding your reference yeah. there. I just kind of can you know go on with your thought there. Is I've thought about it in this manner. Think about... If you gave your son, your child, mm. wow. for someone, I mean, you gave his life. They, they, you just said, all right, here it is, my son. He died for you. And you go to that person who's enemy. on death row, and they say, nope, I reject it, don't want it. And they spit in the face of you and say, I don't care about your son. Listen, you would have no problem pulling the, 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 <laughs> the cord to, for electrocution. You have no problem saying, go ahead and execute him. Now think about a holy God. When this world spits in the face of his son, spits on the on the word, and said, so "I don't care about it." Listen, God is right to laugh and mock at their calamity. He is right to have them in derision because he's a holy God, and he's going to show them again who's going to laugh last, and it's going to be him. Did you find your reference? Yeah. Well, yeah, I did. I'm yeah. sorry. No, well, good. Romans five says, "For scarcely." Amen. Now and then, for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure, perhaps, for yeah. a good man, some would even dare to die, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ yeah. died for us. And it says, much more than being now justified by... But uh, if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled by the death of his son. Yeah. We were enemies. That's right. We, we weren't good people. We no. were God's enemies, and he did that, and then men still do that. But right. Psalm 52.6, sorry. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Mm. We so can't that imagine that now, but we'll have a new body. We'll have a mind just like yeah. Jesus Christ without sin, and we can laugh. So it's just it's this unknown God we're talking about, the God of the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so you raise a good point. It's not only God who's going to laugh. We're going to laugh. Right. And... Uh, I, it's hard to comprehend now, but Amen. at that battle of Armageddon, when we come back with the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe we're going to be cheering on yeah. our commander. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's going to, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that's what it's going to be like. Now, again, we're going to have a new body, which Brian said, but also we're going to have the new mind. We're going to have a mind, the mind of Christ. And so, um, again, our purpose is not to present God as this evil villain that's up in heaven, but to present God as the Bible presents him. Amen. And a balanced God who's love, a balanced God who's holy, a balanced God who's long-suffering, but a balanced God who's also just and he's wrath and he has wrath and he's going to bring judgment. And some of these characteristics, some of these attributes, Christians don't talk about much. It's not preached from the pulpit much. <laughs> and so we want to bring to light, to bring a balance. And, and I, my prayer, and I'm sure Brian's is similar, that you have a, a proper reverence for God, that you have a proper respect and holiness for God because he is holy. And so we see these things that kind of go contrary to modern Christianity, that God's going to laugh. He's going to mock. He's going to have them in derision. He's going to send a lying spirit. He's going to deceive. And so these are things to consider. What else you got there? Brian? I think it sounds so foreign 
because nobody talks about it, nobody preaches it. Mm. But it, not because the Bible changed, people just quit preaching it. Right. Not because God changed his mind and said, well, forget all that stuff. I'm going to write a new Bible. Like, that's not what happened. Right. Jonathan Edwards' famous sermons kind of goes along with what our last podcast was about right. the, the love of God. And we say God does not love sinners. Right. God's love is not presently on sinners. The only love that a sinner gets is if he comes to Jesus Christ yeah, and gets in Jesus Christ. Other than that, the wrath of God abides on him. God is angry at the wicked every day, and he's going to die in his sins and go to hell. That sounds so foreign because Christianity is so modern and yeah. positive and non biblical. And we're. Word of the King. We try to show you what the Bible says, and in the Bible, it's not foreign whatsoever. No, you read your Bible. This is nothing strange, nothing weird. Just nobody talks about it or preaches it. And if you're ignorant of the Bible or you're already deceived and you just miss it, right. you could read it a hundred times and miss it. That's kind of what we're talking about. But the most famous sermon maybe yeah, ever yeah. is "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." That's it, right there. But today, it's "Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God." Mm, think of the contrast. Think of the difference. There it is. And again, you read about that account with Jonathan Edwards and that famous sermon he preached, and how people were coming to getting saved, and you know, just the 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 respect, and they had a vision of a true biblical God. Right. They felt felt they were slipping in the pews yeah. and burning in hell, and that. Yeah. That's the biblical God. Jonathan Edwards was right. Right, absolutely. Joel Osteen and Rick Warren are wrong. Amen, amen. <laughs> Look at the fruit. I mean, give me a break. We all know this. Yeah. Right? So, and again, so that's what we're trying to show you. We're trying to show you some some things about God, and that's why we, we were talking about the unknown God, unknown attributes about God, and how modern Christianity has reformed and refashioned God after their own likeness, after their own image, and so we, we pray that some of these things that we bring out, you would consider. You would read them. You would study them. You would pray about them. And we also pray that you don't come away having us thinking we're trying to present God on the other manner, that he's just this beast up in heaven, cruel, and just sadistic and looking to damn people. That's not true mm. either. But you have to understand and believe what the Word of God says. I like what Brian says. You may read it, not fully understand it, but brethren, you ought to believe it. That's the word of God, and that's that's our position. That's what we want you to take away from this. Any anything else on those two uh, thoughts about either laughing or or lying spirit or anything in that manner? No, just the last point in the, yeah. the Luke reference, and then I just had a, a couple verses kind of go kind sure. of an overview of what we're talking about. I, I just wanted to close with. Yeah, no, absolutely, brother. So I I think uh, you I do think you mentioned this on another podcast. But right. It's very fitting in this. Uh, episode, so I, I thought we'd bring it out again, and I thought it was just a fabulous truth for folks to consider, and that's the only time that the Bible records that Jesus rejoiced, and so Brother Brian, why don't you expound and, and tell folks the only time that the Lord Jesus Christ rejoiced, it's in Luke 10, 21. <laughs> Yeah. I know it's in Luke 10, and I can never find it. 21. The only time Jesus Christ rejoiced. Now, in Matthew, he says, I thank thee, O Father, because thou was, and then he gets into the reason why he thanked him. Luke 10, 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit mm. and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Hold on. Again, this is the only time the Bible records that Jesus rejoiced. So, when does he think that God, when does he rejoice? Yeah, ask, ask yourself that. Right? Yeah. What do you think the average Christian would say? Like kind of what we're talking about, the sure. unknown God. What, why did Jesus speak in parables? And what was your initial thought? Or what, what sure. would the average Christian say? You know, talk to a Christian or somebody. 
the Bible says Jesus Christ only rejoiced one time. Mm. Oh, interesting. What do you think it'd be? And then ask the yeah. next 7,000 people you see, and they're not going to answer this. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> before you read it, that's a good, good challenge. Yeah. I mean, just go to call your Christian friends. Ask folks at church. Maybe not your church. We're not trying to cause controversy in your church. <laughs> but just ask Christians. You know, you got a lot of Christians' friends. Ask them, when was the only time that Jesus rejoiced? Get all their answers, and then you'll kind of find out the condition modern Christianity There you go. Is That's good. Versus what the Bible says. So now when is the only time the Bible records that Jesus rejoiced? Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things... Mm. From the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Wow. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Jesus Christ rejoiced one time that it's recorded because God hid things from yeah. the wise and prudent, from the smarty pants who think yeah. they got God already figured out, the Pharisees, the religious right. crowd, the uppity crowd, the respected crowd, the religious leaders of the day, because they already knew God, and they didn't need this fellow Jesus who was born of fornication to tell their words, yeah. telling them what God is like. So Jesus yeah. rejoiced that he cut them off. He hid it from them. And again, just such a different Jesus than Hollywood presents. Right. He would rejoice that God would hide truth from somebody. Crazy. But that's the Jesus of the Bible. And again, folks, so what we're, we're doing, we, we pray that these things that we point out about how God will send a lying spirit to deceive Ahab, how God will laugh and mock mm. and have folks in derision when he comes back, how the fact that Jesus Christ would rejoice because God hid truth from somebody is definitely not the God that most people consider, but that is the God of the Bible. And so, Brother Brian, what I want to do is I want to turn over the rest of the podcast to you, and maybe you can just give us some closing thoughts, take your time, and just kind of summarize whatever else you want to uh, give to the audience and just whatever else you have for them. I just had a couple verses here, Deuteronomy 28, of course, I've mentioned it several times, 68 verses, it's one of the longest chapters in the Bible, Deuteronomy 28 is a whole history, Moses about to die, Mount yeah. Nebo, see the land, kill you, Joshua's going to lead him in, and Moses gives a prophecy of the history of Israel that to this day is still being fulfilled. Amen. And they got the scariest verse in the Bible, Deuteronomy 28, 63. So God says, you're going to deny me, and you're going to flee into this land, and the mothers are going to eat their babies, and he gets into Adolf Hitler, and they're going to be scattered and wanders for thousands of years, and then they're going to come back into the land. Deuteronomy 28, 63, and it shall come to pass that as the Lord rejoiced mm. over you to do you good, so we're seeing both sides of God yeah. here. Yep. God rejoiced over them to bless their land. God rejoiced over them where one would chase a thousand, and when you're reading when they're under righteous kings, and God would use these kings and use their armies and use Gideon's 300 to defeat tens of thousands of people. God rejoiced blessing people. God rejoiced doing these positive things. But God is not just a positive God here, and that's what we're showing you. So the Lord will rejoice over you to, to destroy you. <sighs> And to bring you to naught. It says God will rejoice over that. Yeah. We just can't fathom it. It's a holy, sure, holy God. And ye shall be plucked from off the land whither thou goest to possess it. So that's God telling them what would be the downfall of Israel, which would start as far as 
the south in Judah in 606 BC. So we come to Ezekiel, and I found something really interesting here. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel's in the land of Kibar. That's how the book opens. Ezekiel's in captivity. God's already done. Now, I always say 606, and I heard somebody say 586. There's three parts of the captivity, sure. and this is history. It's 606 and then 580, 598 and then 586. That was the final. It was, it was a 20-year process where Nebuchadnezzar would come in and all these different people, all that. But anyway, so Ezekiel is in captivity. There's still some kings that are fighting, and they're resisting, and God's saying, submit, submit. God's sending Jeremiah. He's sending Ezekiel. These are exilic prophets, prophets who it's, it, it's like an ongoing process for a couple decades. And there's different kings holding out, and God, they're just, eventually they all succumb and take Zedekiah and plucks his eyes out and kills his kids and all that. But look at this. So this is the context of what's going on in Ezekiel during this time. Ezekiel 7, 12. A third part of thee shall die with the pestilence, and with famine shall they be consumed in the midst of thee. That's where God tells Ezekiel, cut your hair and then take a third and throw it in the wind, take a third and burn it, take a third and chop it up with a knife. Strange things, right? And a third part shall fall by the sword round about thee, and I will scatter a third part into all the winds, and I will draw out a sword after them. So this is fulfillment of Deuteronomy 28 as sure. far as the captivity. And God said he'll rejoice to do this. So Deuteronomy, <laughs> Ezekiel 6.13, Thus shall mine anger be accomplished, and I will cause my fury to rest upon them, and I will be comforted. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. He rejoices over them to do this, and then this is prophecy, 1451 B.C., and then 800 years later, just like God said, they disobeyed him. They rejected the law. God, in God's mercy and grace and long suffering, he wanted them to get right, Absolutely. just like the law center today. Right. And he sends them prophets. He sends them Isaiah. He sends them Amos. He sends them righteous kings. And they just, you know, that's the parable Jesus tells. And uh, he sends this and they kill him. And they said, oh, last of all, they'll reverence my son. And then they take, their, they take Jesus Christ and kill him. And God's like, all right, you're done. The stone which the builders rejected become the head of the corner. And then he goes to the Gentiles. Yeah. But the rest of the verse, and they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it in my zeal mm. when I have accomplished my fury in them, the unknown God. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's just, again, you're not going to hear that on your typical Sunday morning message. And <laughs> no. but, but it's the God of the Bible. Uh, yeah. not, not it's a big deal, but that's actually Ezekiel 5. You said seven, then six. Thank you. But no, it's five right, in, case, right. uh, in case someone is uh, yeah. looking for that reference. It's Ezekiel 5 there. But... Again, God's comforted, <laughs> you know, and he, he's going to rejoice to destroy them. This is the unknown God to modern Christianity. But don't miss what Brother Brian said through that history. That was after hundreds yes. of years of rejecting God's truth and his mercy and long suffering and the preaching of the prophets and get right and the ebb and flow right. of the nation of Israel. And finally, God says, enough is enough. And I, I like, uh, I don't know. I like this illustration because it gives me a visual, but um, back, I think it's in Abram where he tells him that he's going to give him the land, and he's like, I can't give you the land yet because the iniquity of the Amorites oh, yeah. is not yet full. It's good. And I always see good. God's long-suffering like this cup, and the iniquity fills up, fills up, fills up, and finally that cup is full. He says, all right, now I can give you land because my long-suffering's over. Mm. And I, and I view that, uh, this is kind of a different subject, and you talk about the fullness of the Gentiles. I believe it's the same thing, because you see the time of the Gentiles goes into the tribulation. Mm. I believe think God has got a cup, and uh, so I don't think it has anything to do with the last Gentile being yeah. saved. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a cup, just like the, again, it has to do with the land, right? The iniquities of the Amorites, 
Gentiles there in type of picture. Obviously, I know the Jews are not yet as a nation, all that. But it's about a promise of land. He's got to wait till the iniquity is full. Same thing. It's time of the Gentiles now. And God's cup is being full. Being Nobody full. knows the limit. Right. How high the cup is or when it's going exactly. to be Exactly. You probably but, know that. But, <laughs> but once it overfulls, his long-suffering mercy is over. And now it's a time of judgment. And what we're saying is, what the repeated theme is, when that comes, God will rejoice. When that comes, God gets comfort in that. And that is hard for us to fathom. That's hard for us to understand. But that is the God of the Bible. And so we pray that this podcast, as we've touched on about the unknown God, and obviously that's completely just to challenge your thoughts about what you think about God. We pray that every day that you get to know God better and you reverence and love God. And and even though, as Brother Brian said multiple times, you may not understand it. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. But this you ought to do, Christian. God is right. He will always do right. And so what you ought to do is read it, believe it, and say, God, help me understand it. But we do pray that through this podcast and the others, that we would challenge you to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we challenge you to get to know the God of the Bible. Until next time, we're praying for you. Do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.